You can hear Above 180 on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Kindle Fire, and beyond, on demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. Now is the time to reinforce your bowling arsenal, and BowlerX.com is the online leader in price, service, and selection. With free insured shipping on every item we carry, including a complete line of pro shop supplies, as well as balls, bags, shoes, accessories, and more. Also check out the large selection of closeout and discontinued items at a fraction of their original cost. BowlerX.com, your online bowling superstore and proud sponsor of Above180.com. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg and Joey Serrar are ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, from Washington, D.C., and the Bowler's Pro Shop in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here are your hosts, Tim Berg and Joey Serrar. Thought it'd be great to catch up with USBC tournament manager Eric Pearson now that the USBC Open in Reno is underway. Uh, got people starting to head out there. So, Eric, thank you for joining us tonight. Oh, you bet. I'm uh, busy here in Reno. The Open has started, and uh, at the same time, construction is going on down at the convention center in preparation for the women's tournament to come here in April. Well, Eric, let's begin. Uh, like we said, people are just getting rolling bowling on it, uh, the pattern this year, but Let's talk about the initial thought that went into setting out this pattern and how you differentiated the team pattern from the double singles. Yeah, we, uh, we got together uh, tournament management and some of our equipment specifications people down at uh, Bowling Headquarters in Arlington, as well as our, our main consultant from Kegel, uh, Gus Falgen, and uh, we kind of discussed the whole two-pattern fresh oil theory and what we were kind of looking for, and uh, we came to the conclusion that we, we thought that the team event should probably be a little more challenging, a little tighter, a little hard, uh, harder to break down <laughs> to create uh, scores. Um, and then on top of that, uh, let the doubles and singles just flat out hook more. We think, uh, you know, for the average bowlers that come and support our tournament, they like to see a little more ball reaction. So, uh, doubles and singles, we decided to, to go a little bit shorter and less volume and, uh, let everybody see just overall a little more ball reaction. But I, I can't really say which one's going to play easier or harder. It depends on the bowler's individual style. Speaking of team event first, what do you think players can expect to see in difference from, say, last year's ABC, which I think most of us can relate to, uh, again, being in a different venue and obviously using a different oil? I think if you, if you want to get into a little more detail about the two patterns, uh, we didn't really cover detail on the live streaming show because they want me to keep it pretty vague. And uh, But I would actually liken the team event uh, more to bowling here at the stadium back in 2010 or 2011. We had a lot of good results uh, that year. We had things the way we kind of liked it. And uh, so we, we kind of patterned the team event kind of off of those two patterns with the longer the longer uh, pattern. And then the doubles and singles pattern is much more uh, similar to last year in Baton Rouge as far as its structure. It's just it's a little flatter than the team pattern, but it's not as flat as it was in Baton Rouge. So... Theoretically, it should feel just a hair softer than last year for doubles and singles. Team events are definitely going to feel, you know, longer and tighter uh, when they build the team. Right, and that's kind of what I'm seeing watching some of the live streaming. It appears as though the ball isn't changing direction as quickly or as abruptly as possibly what I saw last year. 
Uh, now, obviously, this is just watching these players play, but uh, is that ice oil from Kegel that much different viscosity-wise from other oils that have been used over the last few years? Um, I don't know. I've never, I didn't really compare uh, the, the, the numbers as far as viscosity and things like that, but um, overall, it, it, just, it just it holds up better. What Kegel has seen through all of their testing the last, uh, you know, for as long as they've been testing it, is that it holds up a, a almost 30% longer than, say, Infinity, which is what we usually, or we have used in the last few years. So, um, you know, not, not so much as it is it slicker or a higher viscosity or whatever, but whatever is in it, it just stays on the lane a little longer. Um, one thing we did do coming back here at the stadium, though, you know, just, just overall, if we would have put the Baton Rouge pattern out, so as, as hard as they played in Baton Rouge, if we would have put that pattern out here at the stadium, I would say they'd automatically play a little bit softer uh, for whatever reasons. And um, to me, it's just the, the, the lanes here at the stadium are just a little bit more mellow. Um, they're obviously, they're used. They're not brand new like the install was last year in Baton Rouge. So to me, the ball is just it's a little bit calmer trying to get around the corner no matter what pattern you put out here at the stadium. Um, and I don't want to use, like, negative terminology, but, you know, it's harder to get the ball to slow down and face the pocket here at, at the uh, stadium. So based on that and the fact that we have the newer oil, um, it's structured a little bit differently and the taper is a little bit differently, so the ball has a little bit easier time to, to start up on the backside of the pattern. So, Eric, sticking with the new oil, got a, a follow-up question. Is there any thought that went in when you guys decided with Kegel to make that transition into this ice oil that a lot of the people, a lot of the houses around the states try to s mimic your pattern that you guys put out to give their players a chance to see a sort of a ball motion and a, a shape that they're going to get when they head out to the Nationals? But this ice oil, like you said, is relatively new. I uh, don't believe a lot of places are using it. So when you set it out at your home center, and then you go out to Reno, are you guys expecting there to be a, a noticeable difference or should it be something that is a little bit more minimal? And obviously when people set it up, uh, they can try as close as, as they you know, humanly can to get it to play like they do at the stadium or like they do in Baton Rouge or wherever, but it never plays exactly. Uh, but does the oil make it play even less exact than, than what it had in years past? Uh, maybe a little bit. Um, pro probably the, the bigger difference to me is the just the actual – you know, like I said, the, the lane, the lane reaction itself. Like I said, it's always kind of hard to, to get the ball to slow down at the stadium if you're not carrying. You know, if you're getting nine counts a lot, it's just because your ball's not facing the pocket right. To me, it's more that than than say the oil. I think the necessary changes within the oil pattern itself are made because of the oil. We know it's going to hold up a little bit longer. We don't need to have as much of it down on the back end of the pattern, so. You see some subtle differences in maybe the speed changes of the machine, um, how far into the pattern we drop the buffer brush on the reverse uh, run. Those numbers are just a hair different than they would have been if, say, we used Infinity. So, you know, people may not think about when we're designing patterns, it's, it's, we look at it as it's our job to help create a pattern that promotes good ball motion. You know, then it's up to the bowler to fine-tune their game, their surfaces, whatever to adjust to that but um you know definitely the thought process the oil is a little different and that was brought into the equation so back home you know you're already bowling on different surfaces you probably have a slightly different machine you know there's a lot of things that are different already 
you know, so, you know, I, I, I don't know, I guess the best thing is maybe they could turn up the volume in their pump a little bit. Um, the bowling center that I help out at, I always oil another foot longer than I do. I add a two to two to make the edges play a little bit tighter because we have AMF, uh, HPL. So I would say the, the bowling center needs to kind of know that stuff themselves and, and do the best they can. It's hard to simulate it, but you know, I don't, I don't want everybody to panic. Like, you know, and I, sometimes I think the name is scary enough. Oh, I'm bowling on ice. Well, uh, people will be shocked. There's plenty of ball reaction here. It's not like we have some space-age oil on the lanes where the ball doesn't hook. So I don't want right. anybody out there to be scared. <laughs> and, and, Eric, if they would have named that oil syrup, everyone would think, oh, boy, I better bring stuff that doesn't hook. That oil is going to give me so much more grab, right? Exactly. And I think the whole marketing part of it was the fire and ice that you use the ice on tighter surfaces or, I mean, uh, hookier surfaces. You use it for high, higher level competitions, and then you use the fire if your if your lane beds are really tight, or your bowlers like to see the ball hook a little bit more, or you know if you're, let's say you're a bowling center that uses offense oil, well, offense from Kegel's a hooking oil. Well, I, I don't want to change and go to a newer brand oil that's that does play you know four or five boards slicker. I want to go to an oil that's comparable, but but just holds up longer. I think it's the durability factor is much more important than, you know, than the overall, the overall hook of, of the oil. Um, and the pedal's always on top of those kinds of things. They want to be able to provide their customers with the options. And by coming out with the two oils, that's what they've done there. Right. Now, I, I have a question, Eric, for you. Uh, it might be difficult for you to answer, but, but this was given to me by one of our listeners. How important is it for you when developing these patterns for, for the Open Championships in controlling scoring pace, I mean, does that come into your decision-making process, or do you just set up a pattern and, and let the chips fall where they may? I, th- I think we look at it a little bit, um, kind, of, kind of more so based on, you know, past results or past years. Um, a lot of that direction isn't, it's not me. I'm, I'm kind of asked to say, you know, hey, compared to last year, can we get the lanes to hold up a little bit longer, or can we get scores of slightly higher, or... You know, I, I don't think ultimately, you know, there's there's people within the USBC that want to try and control scoring. You know, our, our main thing is we want to have a championship level event, but we want it's got to be a sport pattern. It's got to be three to one or less. Um, and then the biggest thing is we want to have a, a challenging condition, but you know, there's got to be decent ball reaction. There's going to be fifty five thousand bowlers coming, and you know, all skill levels, all different styles. So. We just try to take all that into account. I don't think you can ever predict a winning score. Um, so I, I would say we, we look at it, but it's mainly comparing it to previous years more so than, hey, we're going to put out this magical pattern that makes 34-80 win the team event. That, that, that can't happen. Nobody's, nobody's that magical with developing any patterns. Well, and then the other thing is if there's a bigger number that shot earlier in the tournament, scores may actually people are going to think well the scores are going to be high this year because a bigger number was shot early but in in reality it may be just the opposite because people are shooting for that high number and and they just they lose their carry or they're either you know they're they're either strike or two eight ten or something or strike or seven ten or something like that so i think a lot of times people may see an, a number shot early in the tournament and think well great the scores are going to be huge i'm going to have to shoot a big number and that isn't always the case when when they head to reno or, or the usbc open 
Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's hard to. It's hard to tell. I mean, you just don't. You got to factor in how well somebody bowls and how good the choices are that they make as far as breaking the lanes down or the transition and keeping up. It. Uh, I, I've always said it that I don't think you can just look at strictly at the oil pattern itself and and calculate how good people are going to bowl or one style is going to bowl better than another or you know what the end result is going to be, what scores are going to win. Yeah, I have no idea. I, I I could say the lanes look nice enough right now where I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, five guys can all get lined up and shoot 700 for a 3,500. I have no idea. But on on the other hand, I I don't know who that team is or if those five guys are going to work together that well. And, and then the other part of it is if the oil does what we want it to, hopefully the lanes don't blow open. So there is no, you know, 10, 50, 11, 20, 12, 20 type scenario. But, but I don't know. It's It's kind of a guessing game. Now, Eric, I have another question for you about lane play. I mean, regardless of the pattern, we'll take this year's pattern into consideration, obviously, but when lanes start to transition and break down, let's say there is a team or teams of players on a given pair. Say seven or eight of the ten players are trying to develop some shot down seventh or eighth board. Do you think this pattern structure leads itself to where as they break down, players can make a two-and-one move left and chase the pattern in? Or is it more so where you're going to shell down and stay in the same part of the lane? Um, my initial impression is I'm, I'm kind of... It's almost like when the Infinity Oil first came out a few years ago and we started to use it. One thing I tended to notice is that when the bonus felt the lane starting to transition and they, they made two-and-one moves, they they almost always left like a 210 on the next shot. So even though they felt like they had to move left when they tried to open up those angles, the oil was good enough that it wasn't as dry as they maybe felt like it was. So in those cases, one-and-one moves or or showing down or whatever was the best, uh, you know, the best change. Well, I would have said that was probably five or six years ago. I think as time progresses and the balls continue to change and get better, that went away about three years ago, and the, and the moves of getting more angular and opening up the lanes started to take shape, and that's when I kind of felt, okay, the balls are getting ahead of the oils again. We're not able to put a, an oil on the lane that stabilizes the environment where normal moves make sense. They're, they're starting to, to transition the lane faster, easier. I, I now see this new oil is almost like taking me back in time to when I first saw Infinity. And, you know, you're like, oh, I feel like the lane's drying up. I'm going to move a little bit left. And if that moves a little too much or a little too steep, you know, all of a sudden you're scratching your head going, the lane's not any drier. Why, why did I feel like it was changing? I make a move, and it, it's, it's not as dry as you think. So my initial impression is those one-in-one moves or staying put and shelling down might might be options. But I think we'll have to wait and see uh, – what the bowlers do to them. You're probably going to learn more about that from the players than you are from me guessing. Well, I want to thank you, Eric, for joining us on the show uh, today. I know you're busy out there in Reno. You guys are, uh, you know, you've done your job, so now it's it's time for you to sit back and watch the bowlers and, and, uh, and do all your other duties out there. Like you said, you got the women's championship coming up as well in Reno this year. So I uh, want to thank you for joining us tonight. We're going to we're gonna have you back again. Uh, as we always do, we love having you on, having you on to provide some insight and do, doing what we can for the USBC Open. And, uh, Eric, uh, again, thanks for everything, and thanks for always making yourself available. 
Great. No, thank you guys very much. It's, it's uh, good to get on and say a few things and uh, see how it all plays out. It is what it is, and, and uh, I said we'll just see what the bowlers think, and, and they'll give you a lot of insight as the tournament goes on. And, Eric, next week our guest will be Andrew Kane, USBC president. Do you have any words you'd like us to share with him? Um, no, I think uh, you can pick you can pick an, uh, his brain on uh, high-level high organizational stuff as well as, you know, down to the, the level of the bowler. He's a very high-quality bowler. He's got an eagle, so I think uh, very, very well-rounded. You can ask Andrew just about anything, and he's going to have an opinion on it. For Tim Burke, Joe Serrar, Eric Pearson, good luck and good bowling. <laughs>